Welcome to Cinema Chop Shop. Watch Chop Retrofit. All right, so just to start us off, I want to give a shout out to the city of Florence, of all things, because guess what's back open? What? The Edisto Bridge. So it takes me like a third as long to get to the chop shop now. But this is not a public works podcast. Welcome to season seven, episode 14 of Cinema Chop Shop. This is a movie podcast that concedes that remakes are going to happen. So why shouldn't movie buffs like us decide who is recast in those iconic roles? My name is Hardcore Travi, <laughs> a.k.a. Desperately Seeking Travis, uh-huh. a.k.a. Travis, where's my car? Travis, where's my car? <laughs> what does mine say? And I'm joined here in the shop by my co-host and co-producer, Sean the Sheep Movie, a.k.a. Sean Astasia, a.k.a. Mohal Sean Drive. <laughs> we are also extremely excited to welcome back to the show Chop Shop regular, Shelf Less, a.k.a. Chellbound, a.k.a. The Clouded Cello. <laughs> Thank you for being here, man. Thank you for having me. Further description of the show, the tagline at the top says, Watch Chop Retrofit, because essentially that's what we do here. We watch older movies, sometimes classic films with iconic actors, and then we retrofit them by tweaking the design with new parts. Quick disclaimer, we're not actually in favor of the remake, reboot, sequel-dependent cinematic culture. Fuck that noise. This is more of an exercise in satire and irony. We try to be funny. And sometimes we succeed when we remember. When we remember. Very good. Mm-hmm. That brings us into our first segment, which is movie news. And this is where throughout the week we try to pay attention to stories that pertain to our subject matter and that our listeners might find interesting. And we do have to start it off with an RIP this week. British actor Ben Cross has died at the age of 72. He broke through as Olympic runner Harold Abrams in the Oscar-winning 1981 film Chariots of Fire, appeared in 2009's Star Trek, and recently completed filming the horror movie The Devil's Light. RIP and rest in power to Ben Cross. Next, Daniel Day Kim and Randall Park team up for an Asian-American-led heist film at Amazon Studios. Uh, The logline is being kept under wraps, but what we do know is that it will be loosely focused on a reunion of high school friends who'd come together in a nod to the classic fun ensemble heist films. And I can't remember the screenwriter's name, but he's also an Asian, a man of Asian background. Oh, cool. Uh, Next, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, which he's stated will be a much darker, grittier take on the classic fairy tale, casts Kate Blanchett alongside Stranger Things and Watchmen stars. And the Stranger Things star is, I always say his name wrong, Finn Wolfhard. Wolfhard. Finn Wolfhard. (laughs) And uh, Tim Blake Nelson, who's recently been in Watchmen and a ton of other stuff. He's in Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? And uh, always, always a treat. In fact, he directed a movie called O that was an adaptation of Othello by Shakespeare, but it's in contemporary setting. Next, oh, this is a rough one. Rose McGowan accuses director Alexander Payne of sexual misconduct. So Alexander Payne, director of The Descendants and Downsizing, has been accused by Rose McGowan of sexual misconduct in a tweet Monday morning. The actress, whose powerful allegations helped bring Harvey Weinstein to justice, accused Payne of sexually inappropriate behavior with her when she was 15 years old. 
In a tweet, quote, Alexander Payne, you sat me down and played a softcore porn movie you directed for Showtime under a different name. I still remember your apartment in Silver Lake. You are very well endowed. You left me on a street corner afterwards. I was 15. So uh, it's disappointing because I uh, appreciate some of Alexander Payne's work as a director, but this is fucked up. Yeah, yeah that's... Wow. No bueno. No yeah. bueno. And how how many monsters preyed on Rose McGowan? And I guess it's just a, a little tip of the iceberg, but yep. she's she's the one who's coming out and being super vocal about it. Uh, so hats off to her. Uh, this is one you sent to me. Uh, the Exorcist reboot reportedly coming to theaters in 2021. And I've got a, an article here from Deadline, but I think you summed it up perfectly when you said, The power of cash compels you. The power of cash compels you. Next, uh, this is disappointing because the Train to Busan sequel, Peninsula, which I've been looking forward to, Train to Busan was so good. Drink. Peninsula is all zombie spectacle and no heart. Uh, so Yeah, I was kind of disappointed when I read that headline. I'm trying to remember <clears throat> what... I'll still the, watch it, though. Uh, the animated feature that came in between these two. Do you remember that? It I was don't. Something Station. And it's just as good as Train to Busan. Uh, next, Olivia Wilde is tapped to direct an untitled female-centered Marvel movie at Sony. Uh, what do we know about this, Sean? Not a whole lot other than um, the speculation is um, Spider-Woman. And can you elaborate on the Spider-Woman character? Uh, it, depends, it, depends on, uh, it depends on which Spider-Woman you're talking about. You have Jessica Drew, which was the... Uh, Spider-Woman in the 70s. Okay. And then you've got the Gwen Stacy character who has played Spider-Woman or Spider-Girl in a more modern uh, modern setting. Interesting. So more than likely the previous one. Well, I actually, what I'm hearing is that it might... Everyone's speculating that it's going to be kind of like an all-new take altogether. Oh, okay. That's so. cool. And, of course, Olivia Wilde recently directed a Cinema Chop Shop favorite, Booksmart? Booksmart, yep. Very good. All right, finally, last story of the day. Uh, Bill Murray and Rashida Jones go on a father-daughter quest in Sofia Coppola's On the Rocks trailer. Uh, I haven't seen the tra trailer yet, but I love the idea of Bill Murray and Rashida Jones playing opposite each other as a father-daughter team. And I think it's cool that Bill Murray is reuniting with Sofia Coppola after they did Lost in Translation together. Yep. So that will wrap us up on movie news for this week. And do you guys have a ringing in your ears or is that just me? That must mean that it's time for the Department of Corrections Department with Chief Corrections Officer Dana. Hello, choppers. I tell you the first time I saw Julie Newmore in anything was on an episode of The Monkees. She played a woman who ran a laundromat and of course, all four monkeys were vying for her affection. Peter won, the lucky torker. Wentworth Miller plays the younger brother in Prison Break. Jim Belushi and Julie Newmar were neighbors who argued for decades over the fence separating their yards in Brentwood, California. Newmar wanted the fence lowered to provide sunlight to her flowers, but Belushi wanted it higher for privacy. He sued her for four million bucks. I'm guessing there wasn't an HOA in place to settle the dispute. That's all I got. In the words of Miss Newmar, more is not necessarily better. Better 
is better. See you next time. All right. Thank you, Dana, for that. And you know, uh, considering that it was Jim Belushi and not John Belushi, I guess that fences do make for better neighbors. So that will close the doors on the Department of Corrections Department for this week, which brings us to the theme of our episode. For reasons that we all seem to have forgotten, amnesia movies. So I'm going to give you a little bit of background on the use of amnesia as a trope in fiction. Global amnesia is a common motif in fiction, despite being extraordinarily rare in reality. In the introduction to his anthology, The Vintage Book of Amnesia, which I'd really like to check out, <laughs> Jonathan Lethem writes, real diagnosable amnesia, people getting knocked on the head and forgetting their names, is mostly just a rumor in the world. It's a rare condition and usually a brief one. In books and movies, though, versions of amnesia lurk everywhere, from episodes of Mission Impossible to metafictional and absurdist masterpieces, with dozens of stops in between. Amnesiacs might not much exist, but amnesiac characters stumble everywhere through comic books, movies, and our dreams. Lethem traces the roots of literary amnesia to Franz Kafka and Samuel Beckett. It's also fueled largely by the works of Sigmund Freud, which also strongly influenced film genres such as film noir. Amnesia, amnesia is so often used as a plot device in films that a widely recognized stereotypical dialogue has even developed around it, with the victim melodramatically asking, where am I? Who am I? What am I? or sometimes inquiring his own name. Bill? Who's Bill? In movies and television, particularly sitcoms and soap operas, it is often depicted that a second blow to the head, similar to the first one, which caused the amnesia, will then cure it. <laughs> in reality, however, repeat concussions may cause cumulative deficits, including <laughs> cognitive problems, and in extreme rare cases may even cause deadly swelling of the brain associated with second impact syndrome which I believe Jean-Claude Van Damme suffers from. Uh, so thoughts on amnesia in movies, guys? You can argue that it's a cheap device, uh -huh. but it's so, like you said, so prevalent, especially in science fiction. Science fiction seems to really employ amnesia a lot. I mean, whether it's Robocop, Alita Battle Angel, uh -huh. Ghost in the Shell, um, where you're, the main character doesn't have agency over their being, and they're constantly searching for some sort of context and background. And usually they're at the hand of some manipulatory master. And uh, it's it's just something that's so common that we felt like, well, let's just throw that out there as an episode. Yeah. And you had, you had read an article um, about amnesia in fiction, but it was dealing more with television. TV right? series. Yeah, yeah. Like Gilligan's Island and other, like you said, a lot of other uh, TV series have used that as a, just a simple plot device to have a lot of fun because you wipe the slate clean and the um the double impact syndrome reminds me of cousin eddie in christmas vacation talking about his daughter and how her eyes aren't crossed anymore he says <laughs> she fell down a well eyes went cross kicked by a mule go back straight again i don't know clark <laughs> uh so let's go ahead and get into our next segment which is the midnight double feature and this is where we go around the room and we each talk about two films that are within our subject at hand, this week being amnesia movies. And we talk about why they would be a good pairing to show for a, a public double feature. And Chelsea, 
Chop Shop regular Chelsea. Would you like to go first? Sure. So my first one is from 2004. It's Adam Sandler, Drew Barrymore, 51st Dates. Nice. And I'm pretty sure everybody has seen this movie, but she goes on uh, an excursion with her dad on his birthday to pick up pineapple, and they get into a car accident, and every day is, she really relives that same day Mm -hmm. every day. I like it because her dad is a Vikings fan. Okay. I'm pretty sure me and Drew Barrymore were the only ones that didn't get the ending of The Sixth Sense. Like her and I were the <laughs> only ones that were like, <gasps> I was also one of those people. The oh, twist good. got me. Yes. yes. Okay. Uh, so also there's a reason that Drew Barrymore and Adam Sandler have appeared together in multiple feature films. There's a palpable chemistry there. Yeah. They're both such um, bubbly, enthusiastic performers, which I think is really cool. Um, I'm pairing that with a movie from, it's from 2018, but um, widely released, I think either this year or last year. Okay. And I don't really want to give anything away because I think you should watch it. Okay. It's called um, Hippopotamus. Hippopotamus. It's it's a dark version of... Um, <laughs> 50 First, first Dates? dates? You, you, forgot, of, you forgot your first of. feature? Yeah. I just, I don't want to give anything away. You should watch it. It's really good. All right, sounds good. I definitely will put that on my list. Sean, what are you thinking about for a double feature this week? I'm going to go with two James Garner movies. Nuh-uh. Apparently, James Garner liked uh, Amnesia because he made one in 64 and one in 66. Maybe he just forgot about the first one he made. Well, these are very different <laughs> films. The first one's called 36 Hours, and I think this one would actually pair really well with The Manchurian Candidate. Well, okay. not necessarily an Amnesia movie, but definitely a memory loss film. 36 Hours features Garner as an American uh, major during World War II who gets abducted by the Germans, knocked out, drugged, and they kidnap him. And they stage almost like this uh, Truman Show-esque American military base. Gotcha. And every, every all of the Germans on the base speak perfect, fluent English and maintain their American guys. So when he comes to, it's five years after the fact. And the Americans have won World War II, and they want to debrief him after he's come out of his uh, amnesia. They want to take his pants off? He's been like Rip Van Winkle, essentially. Okay. They want to debrief him, yes. Uh, This also stars uh, uh, Eva Marie Saint. uh, We've talked about her before. Yep, Rod Taylor, who Uh we've talked about before as well. So they, 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 they try to uh, get him to recount the storming, the plans to storm the beaches at Normandy. After he kind of initially spills that, he begins to pick up little details that clue him in what's going on. There are a lot of newspapers about the uh, American victory, but there are no books about it. Oh. Then uh, while he's on the base... Um, he speaks to one of the guards and the guard salutes and he clicks his heels together. Uh-uh. And so he's like, ah, something's up. So it, things start to unravel from there and his allies come from uh, strange places. And it's, it's a cool movie. I really like cool. it. I really like the concept and uh, it should be better known than what it is. I'm following that up with 66's Mr. Budwing. Mr. Budwing. Uh, he plays a man who wakes up on the streets of New York with no memory whatsoever and a ring that's inscribed from GV, and he is looking for his, he figures out her name, it's Glory, or Gloria. Okay. And he starts running into all these women, uh, four different women, uh, Angela Lansbury, uh, Gene Simmons, Suzanne Plachette. 
Very nice. And so he starts to piece his memories back together using these women trying to trying to figure out, is this the woman that I love? Is this the woman that I love? Huh. And he pieces his memories back together until it finally comes full circle. It's all of them. No, it's not all of them. <laughs> but uh, a cool movie with uh, some cool cool cast members. Uh, Nichelle Nichols is in it in a very small role. Okay. Uh, I really liked it. I thought it was a, a, a good one as well. So, uh, you know, James Garner, Amnesia. Who knew? <laughs> that is fun. All right. So it's funny you brought up The Truman Show because I went with a pair of Jim Carrey Amnesia movies. The first um, is widely panned, which I think is a little bit unfair. It, the the reason I think that it was not well received was it was because was because it was his first dramatic role after doing so many comedies and being known as the kind of Jerry Lewis of his generation. Uh, but it's called The Majestic from 2001. It's got a 42% on Rotten Tomatoes, uh, directed by Frank Darabont. Rising Hollywood screenwriter Peter, Peter Appleton, played by Jim Carrey, is blacklisted in the early 1950s Red Scare. Following a drunken car accident, he wakes up with amnesia near the small town of Lawson, California, where the residents mistake him for Luke Trimble, a local boy declared missing in action during World War II. As Peter helps Luke's father, Martin Landau, and high school sweetheart, Lori Holden, reopen the town's sole movie theater, questions arise about his true identity and motivations. Uh, did you either of you see this, The Majestic? I've never seen The Majestic. I haven't either. It's um, pretty. It's pretty interesting. Very um, off key for the time in his career. Frank Frank Darabont mm -hmm. is uh, tied to the early seasons of Walking Dead, if I'm not mistaken. He might be. I don't know. Dana. So then I'm pairing that with a much more well received film uh, from 2004 called. Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. This is one of my favorite movies. I it's love this movie. It's very great. ethereal, very out there. Not very uplifting, but uh, a good movie all the same. <clears throat> 2004, 93% on Rotten Tomatoes, directed by Michel Gondry. After a painful breakup, Clementine, played by Kate Winslet, undergoes a procedure to erase memories of her former boyfriend, Joel, played by Jim Carrey, from her mind. When Joel discovers that Clementine is going to extremes to forget their relationship, he undergoes the same procedure and slowly begins to forget the woman that he loved. We've also got appearances by Elijah Wood and also uh, Hulk. What's his name? <laughs> Hulk. <laughs> I forgot his name. Oh. Um, you know who I'm talking about. Well, yeah, I do. And he's one of my favorite actors. Yeah. Uh, so that's a really good one. <clears throat> As well, it's got Hulk in it. It's Hulk and and Wilfred and. Oh my! So yeah, that's going to be my double feature: the majestic and eternal sunshine of the spotless mind. One featuring a more traditional um, amnesia trope, and the other a more intentional amnesia. So Mark Ruffalo is Mark his name. Ruffalo, Thank it came you. to me. I got kicked in the head by a mule. All right. So, uh, any final thoughts on our? Are picks, are they recommends, not recommends? Uh, mine are recommends. Mine are recommends. And mine are as well. So that's a unanimous recommend on our double features for this week, which brings us into our feature segment. This is the recast. And this is where we take a movie that is within our category of the week, and we hypothetically recast it with contemporary actors. The first one is from 1945, and I found out today that when I was trying to check it in as 
a movie marathon check-in that I watched it two years ago. Did you nice. really? I forgot. And you forgot. <laughs> <laughs> um, directed by Alfred Hitchcock, 84% on Rotten Tomatoes. When Dr. Anthony Edwards, that's not a typo. <laughs> not ER. Uh Played, played by Gregory Peck, arrives at a Vermont mental hospital to replace the outgoing hospital doctor. Dr. Constance Peterson, played by Ingrid Bergman, a psychoanalyst, discovers Edwards is actually an imposter. The man confesses that the real Dr. Edwards is dead and fears that he may have killed him, but cannot recall anything. Dr. Peterson, however, is convinced the imposter is innocent of the man's murder and joins him on a quest to unravel his amnesia through psychoanalysis. What did you guys think about this? I liked it. Okay. We I, were talking a little bit um, yeah. on Wednesday. It starts off a little slow, but builds in the mm-hmm. second and third act. I enjoyed it. The only issue I had with it, and I think it's an earmark of the time, um, Ingrid Bergman's character, Dr. Peterson, uh-huh. she kind of throws her hat in the love ring a little quickly. Very quickly. And yes. I don't think that necessarily would have been the case in real life and definitely not today. Because she's, no. she's already in an uphill battle being a woman in her profession. Right. Um, yeah. And I just, I, I, that struck me as odd to, to really put in the romantic angle so quickly and easily in the film. I guess, I mean, it's necessary towards the end of the movie, but it also just... amnesia. Gregory Peck is kind of a dick. Yes. <laughs> Looking at me with your wise acre face. Come on, man. Um, so the roles that we will recast are the aforementioned Gregory Peck, played by huh, Dr. Anthony Edwards, played by Gregory Peck, who was 29 at the time. We've got Dr. Constance Peterson, played by Ingrid Bergman, 30 at the time. We've got Dr. Alexander Brulov, played by Michael Chekhov, and he's an older, retired psychiatrist who was one of the people who trained Dr. Peterson when she was younger. And then we've got uh, Dr. Murchison, played by Leo G. Carroll, who we've talked about recently. He directed one of our recent recasts, yeah. I'm pretty sure. Uh, so, and he, he's kind of like... Uh... He's the outgoing um, head of the psychiatric institute who's kind of being forced into an early retirement. But he kind of has like a sinister motive. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. No we'll leave it at that. Though. Yes. yes. All right. So... Um, Chelsea, who was your pick for the Anthony Edwards slash James Ballantine role played by Gregory Peck? So this is a pretty face value pick. Uh-huh. Um, is it a pretty face value or a pretty yeah, face value? Both. Uh, he was in The Hunger Games. Um, everybody was in The Hunger Games. I know. Pretty mm-hmm. much everybody was. It's fine. I went with Sam Claflin. Sam Claflin. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right you on. put glasses on him. He could be Atticus. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> Sean? Um, so this is a theme pick round for me. Ooh. Let's see if you can guess. But um, it's also low-hanging fruit round for me because nice. I traveled this week. So I kind of went with some easy easy ones. Um, I went with a 28-year-old actor who kind of has a passing resemblance to young Gregory Peck. He does look a lot different. Than I that I know. Yeah, Gregory the young Peck. young Gregory Peck looks very but, different. But even than even to, even to to kill a mockingbird, he mm-hmm. looks yeah. different. Yes. Um. So this actor was in uh, Perks of Being a Wallflower, <laughs> Suicide Squad, uh, Justice League, and we need to talk about Kevin. I went mm-hmm. with Ezra Miller. Oh yeah, okay. I can see that the cheekbones. Yeah, for sure. 
All right, my actor um, is 27 now. He was in We Have to Talk About Kevin, The Perks of Being a Wallflower, Fantastic Beasts, and he will be in 2022's The Flash. I picked Ezra Miller. <laughs> wow, funny. what are the odds? And he really does. I think that they were accentuating um, with makeup Gregory Peck's cheekbones in this because they were kind of trying to make him a sex symbol. Oh, yeah. Okay. Then next up, we've got Dr. Constance Peterson, played by Ingrid Bergman. Very beautiful Ingrid Bergman. Was 30 at the time. Uh, You were mentioning um, the profile. Her profile's very. um, Oh, yeah. Very gorgeous. Chelsea, who was your pick for Dr. Constance? Um, One of the things that Sean and I had talked about with her character is she talks out of the side of her mouth. Hmm. And then oh, I heard, that's what you meant by side mouth. And then I heard I this you were huge. Saying she had a nice profile. Well, and then I heard this huge rant about Holly Hunter that I, I won't even get into. Okay. Uh, it was crazy. Well, and Holly Hunter had a stroke. Tell him that he's Not the one really. that really. ranted. Um. So I wanted to pick somebody who also kind of. It, she uses her mouth and not to the side, but it looks different when she speaks. Mm-hmm. There's something really expressive about it. Um, she was in The Avengers, Ingrid Goes West, one of your favorites, Elizabeth Olsen. Oh, yeah. Nice. I'm, I'm down with it. And I think that the last name Olsen, you can probably trace that back to some Scandinavian roots as well. Sean, who's your pick? <laughs> uh, this actress is 30 years old. And again, I said low-hanging fruit, but when it comes to playing a psychologist, I went with somebody who has played one in other films. She was in The Legend of Tarzan. She mm-hmm. was in The Wolf of Wall Street, I, Tanya, and she played the psychologist uh, Harleen Quinzel mm-hmm. in the Suicide Squad with Margot Robbie. Mm-hmm. I've got your theme. I know, right? <laughs> Let's see if you do. My, Let's my, see my, if I remember my, by the end. My later picks might throw you off. Ooh. My pick is 36 <clears throat> now. She's also a Swedish actress. She was in Species the Awakening. And just for the record, that's the fourth and final installment in the Species series. Oh, my. Thank goodness. Uh, she's also in Guns, Girls, and Gambling, Iron Man 2, Code of Honor with Steven Seagal, and wow. Surrogates. Her name wow. is Helena Matson. Helena Matson. Huh. All right. I had never heard of her before, but I was trying to go with an authentic Swedish actress. Okay, that's cool. That's fair. I did that uh, last week, I think. Next, we've yeah. got Dr. Alexander Brulov, played by Michael Chekhov, who was only 54 at the time, but looked to be in his early 70s. Yes. I think that they definitely did some aging makeup on him, which back then just meant like slathering whitewash on his hair. Uh, but he was the um, elder, elder psychologist or psychiatrist who was one of... Ingrid Bergman's professors or early early person who trained her. And who are you thinking about in regards to this, Chelsea? So I loved this character. I thought he was so cute. Mm-hmm. Minus his sexist jokes, but okay. it was 1945. So what are you going to do? When he was talking about them being on their honeymoon? Well, and when they first arrived and she was getting stuff out of the fridge and he was like, I've never had an assistant like her and like talking uh-huh. her into being a housewife. It was, yeah, okay, it was a little yeah, uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he, he's so sweet. I love him a lot. And so I picked an actor that I also adore. He's not Russian, but he's still super cute. 
I went with Richard Dreyfus. Oh yeah, <laughs> he's awesome. so cute. I love uh, him. Michelle and I rewatched Jaws this past oh, week man. because yeah. it was Shark Week, and so they were doing it at the drive-in. But we didn't we didn't go to the drive-in. We just watched it at home. It was a lot of fun. Sean, who is your pick? Well, as I said, uh, 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 Doctor Vrulov. Vrulov. <clears throat> Michael Chekhov was only fifty-four, so I went with a seventy-four-year-old because I felt okay. that it was probably more dead on. Um, he was in uh, the film Flash Gordon. Hmm. Uh, he was in the TV series Penny Dreadful. He played a Russian in the TV series Chuck. Um, and he was in the TV series Doom Patrol, as well as some James Bond films. I'm with Timothy Dalton. Timothy Dalton's awesome, dude. I keep forgetting how old he is now. That's crazy town. We cannot forget that he was the bad guy in The Rocketeer. Mm-hmm. He was also in... Hot Fuzz. Hot Fuzz. I get him. I get his character in the um, Simon Pegg movies confused with Pierce Brosnan's character at The World's End. Yep. Uh, both previous Bonds. All right. I like that. My pick for Michael Chekhov is 49 now. So I went a little bit younger. We're going to have to age him up even more. He is a Russian-born American actor. He was in the TV show The Americans. He's in Once Upon a Time in Queens. And Ace the Case, his name is very Russian. His name is Lev Gorn. I like Lev Gorn a lot. Okay, yeah. Lev Gorn is my pick he for that one. He was so good in the Americans. Mm-hmm. Drink. Drink, so good. All right, we've got one more, right? Yep. And that is Leo G. Carroll, who was 59 at the time. Uh, English actor, best known for his roles in six Alfred Hitchcock films, including this... Strangers on a Train, and North by Northwest, and in three television series, Topper, Going My Way, and The Man from Uncle. In this, he's playing Dr. Murchison, head of Green Manors. Chelsea, who did you go with for this? Um, so he's a bad guy who wears really amazing suits, so this was a no-brainer for okay. me. Um, I went with Robert England. Oh, cool. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder what inspired you to do that. I don't know. Sean, who is your pick? For Dr. Murchison, I went with a 65-year-old actor. He's been in everything. Mm -hmm. So um, I'm going to go with the few that might not be high on the uh, list for you. Um, He was in Siberia. He was in Togo. Mm -hmm. He was in At Eternity's Gate, Murder on the Orient Express, the Florida Project, The Lighthouse, yes. Spider-Man. I went with everyone's favorite villain, Willem Dafoe. Willem Dafoe is awesome, mm-hmm. dude. Now, uh, what is my theme? They're all in Suicide Squad. No, no they're all in the DC Universe. Exactly. Okay. Woo! Which which ones weren't in Suicide Squad? Uh, Timothy Dalton is... Everybody's in Suicide Squad. Timothy Dalton's Niles Calder in Doom Patrol. Okay. And all Willem, DC Willem Dafoe people. is... Um... He's in Spider-Man. He's in Spider-Man. Why can't I think of That's the name? Marvel. He's in uh, not, um, Batman versus Superman, Super- Dawn of Justice. Nope. He's in Justice League. Nope. Give up? Yes. Yeah. He was in Aquaman. Oh, oh that's right. Aquaman. He was Vulcan. All right. So my pick is 61 now. He's an English actor as well. Uh, He's probably best known for playing a doctor. He was also in The Night Manager, Avenue 5, Stuart Little, 
and house. His name is Hugh Laurie. Nice. I like it. Hugh Laurie. I love it. He was born to play this role. And final thoughts on Spellbound. I liked it. It's worth watching. I think it is worth a watch. Uh, maybe even every couple years. Um, <laughs> Apparently. And you forget. Well, one thing that we didn't mention was the dream sequences. Oh, yes. Of course. Thank you for bringing that up. You're welcome. Salvador Dali-inspired dream sequence. They are cool. And I think, I might have imagined this. I might have misremembered it. But I think that Dali actually had something to do with those segments. I think he at the very least had to sign off on it. Yeah. I mean, he got credit in the film dream sequences inspired by Mm -hmm. Salvador Dali, which I thought was really cool. Yeah, it was really And obvious. Yeah. But... uh, yeah, that was fun. If you're going to play around with psychology and dream, yeah. I mean, that's great. Who better? Uh, all right. So with that, we're going to head into intermission, but not before we say, let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby and get ourselves some ginkgo biloba. <laughs> that's a fun word. <laughs> it really is. All right, Chop Shoppers, thank you for bearing with us during intermission. This is your host, Travis, and I just have one question for you, Sean. What is one way we could make our podcast more prominent? Oh, if our listeners would rate and review us on iTunes. Rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes. or. And pin your friends down and enforce them to do it. Make them go ahead and do a review. We're very under like, like, like Make it a whole pyramid scheme. Get the people under them yeah. to do it. And multiply a podsy it. scheme. Ooh, I like it. Yes. You folks who are listening right now, it would be fantastic if while you're listening or right after, you don't have to stop the show, don't stop the show. But if afterwards you could go to iTunes and give us a review or a rating, that would be awesome as well. Or on whatever uh, podcatcher app it is that you're listening to us. We're on a few of them. And also, uh, be aware of our online presence. We have a Facebook page. It's facebook.com slash cinemachopshop. We're hosted natively online on Podbean. It's cinemachopshop on Podbean. And our Twitter handle is at cinemachopshop. We do a lot of stuff on there, like our movie marathon, where Sean consistently kicks my ass. Also, our uh, email address is cinemachopshop at gmail.com. You can email us anytime. We check it frequently. The beers that we check in after intermission, you're about to find out about some, are always checked in on Untapped. That's U-N-T-A-P-P-D. And we are Cinema Chop Shop on there. Once again, thank you to you, the listeners. Thank you for tuning in and enjoy the rest of the show. And now, on with the show. All right, welcome back, Chop Shoppers. Chelsea just needed to pee in the yard real quick. Oh, no, I've never peed in the yard. Thank you for bearing with us. And when we come back from intermission, what do we like to do, Sean? Beer check-ins. And this week, we've got a recent canning from Seminar Brewing. That's seminarbrewing.com. It's some beer that we've had before, but never canned before, correct? That's right. It's clink. Our Kolsch-style ale, 4.8% by volume. It's delicious. I think this is actually plenty cold. One thing I've noticed, that with the plastic wrappers or plastic labels on cans, they don't feel as cold as they actually are because you've got that insulatory yeah. factor of the wrapper. But yeah, this is great. So I'm excited about this. I hope uh, I hope the people who have not tried Clink 
get a kick out of it. It's um, one of my favorites. And hopefully we'll still have this available for the Oktoberfest at Seminar Brewing on October 10th. So yeah, we hope that this will be around. Uh, if not in Kansas, I think that we'll have kegs. And also there is a Marzen mm-hmm. that's in the works. By the way, I did get to try uh, the new peanut butter porter Wednesday, and it was quite nice. Good. Glad you liked it. While we enjoy that beer, let's go ahead and get into the 2020 movie marathon. And this is an exercise in fortitude, if we can remember. Uh, We check them in on Letterboxd and Twitter. I check mine in on Twitter with the Cinema Chop Shop handle, and yours are at a windowless van? That's right. It is, as of this recording, the 234th day of the year. I'm on number 293. Sean, where are you? 300. Wow. The movie with Gerard Butler. That's <laughs> your most recent This in. is Sparta. <laughs> and Chelsea, how many have you seen? I'm on 234. Once again, no concrete evidence of that. And so my first check-in this week is going to be a movie that was recently covered on one of our peers' podcasts, How Did This Get Made? It is a recent (laughs) film from 2020 called Money Plane. Oh, man, this movie is so bad. Recently discussed on How Did This Get Made? Stupid, silly, fun heist flick directed by Andy Lawrence, starring him and his brothers, Kelsey Grammer, Denise Richards, and Thomas Jane. So did you watch it? By his brothers, you mean Joey Lawrence. Whoa, whoa. Yeah, I watched it. And Kelsey Grammer is turning into Fred Thompson. That's right. That's right. Did you check this one in? Yeah. In uh, recent weeks? Yeah, about uh, three, two the or three weeks airplane ago. airplane movies episode. Ah. Didn't you watch it for that? It wasn't airplane movies. No, that was, that was too long it was ago. Just, uh, it was on Movie was Marathon on. about two or three weeks ago. Okay. All right, so that's my first check-in. Cool. Um, I'm going to keep it all amnesia movies. Okay. Uh I'm going to check in Hardcore Henry. Nice. This is a basically a first-person shooter movie. It is. Yeah. And I said, if you love Russia and you love POV parkour, this is the movie for you. Yes. I was. Uh, it was so Russian, I expected to see Trump in the background of the strip club getting pissed on. <laughs> getting uh, pissed off because the of the bottle service, the price of the bottle service. <laughs> no, just getting peed on. Uh, this oh, is pissed uh, on. Pissed yeah. on. Okay. Golden showers. Gotcha. Um, it's 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 okay. I mean, it is exactly what it says it is. It mm-hmm. is a video game come to life. Yeah. And ultra violent, ultra graphic, and it's got the guy from District Nine and Chappie. Yes. Playing multiple characters, but it's the same person. Yeah, um, you know. I liked it uh, whenever it came out. I'm interested to go back and see my review, but for what it was, I yeah. thought it was pretty fun. It's only five years old, and I felt like it came out much further back than that. I thought it came out more recently. Oh, well, there you go. I have one check-in. and what I've, is it? I've checked it in before, but it, it feels relevant to this episode. Okay. Um, it's a documentary on Netflix called Tell Me Who I Am about somebody who actually suffered amnesia. Okay. They're twin brothers. Yes, 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 yes. I love that. Did you watch it yet? I'm pretty sure I did. Yeah. Because you were on the fence, and I was like, no, watch it, watch it. Hmm. I might have, but I can't remember. It's good. So, my next check-in. Thank you for that, Chelsea. You're welcome. Uh, my next check-in is number 289, How to Build a Girl, from 2019. Rising comedic star, Beanie Feldstein, from Booksmart and Ladybird, 
continues to impress. In this, she is a teen girl from a lower income family. She reinvents herself as rock critic Dolly Wilde, initially to try and help her family. But she finds that her natural writing style is not what people want. And so she starts doing these really scathing reviews uh -huh. of all these uh, musicians. It's interesting that it's not quite as laugh out loud funny as Booksmart, but there are some moments, especially when she um, begins discussing her sexual awakening. Uh, so yeah, it was fun. Also, Alfie Allen and Lily Allen make appearances. Oh, cool. Alfie Allen in a much, much bigger role. He's the, the male lead. Um, uh, Lily Allen mm -hmm. is playing a picture of a talking picture of Elizabeth Taylor on the wall. Oh my. Yes. <laughs> uh, the 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 artwork, the movie poster, I guess you'd call it, really draws me in. Uh, I, I was really intrigued about this movie yeah. just just from the photography. Uh, yeah. It was good. Um it's a good <clears throat> it's a good date movie. How about that? Um I'm checking in a stinker from uh, twenty eleven. It's called The Family Tree. Okay. And it's got um Dermot Mulroney. <laughs> Not Dylan McDermott? No. Dermot Mulroney. And uh, Max Thierio, Thoreau? Thoreau. however you pronounce his name. Thoreau, the um, Prime Minister of Canada. And a lot of other people. But uh, if you can imagine American beauty without the beauty, then throw in amnesia, you kind of get the feel <laughs> for this. So he can't remember wanting to fuck that paper bag? No, it's Plastic not. Plastic bag? <laughs> <laughs> it's not him. It's his wife who's suffering from amnesia. Oh, uh, okay. But a lot of family drama surrounding it, and it's super contrived. There are a lot of subplots that kind of converge at the end, and you you see it coming from a mile away, so it's kind of a disappointment. Gotcha. All right, my final check-in for this week is going to be number 291. It's called Notzilla from 2019, and it is a very silly, tongue-in-cheek send-up of the Japanese kaiju films. And it's intentionally poorly dubbed <laughs> and filled with puns. So obviously I was on board. And, oh, Nazilla is harmless unless you give him beer. And then he grows really big and drunkenly destroys things. Oh, no. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. So I'm going to recommend that. Uh, I'm recommending the final two. Nazilla, How to Build a Girl, but I'm not recommending Money Plane. Okay. My last one is called Sullivan's Travels, and this is on the Criterion channel. Uh, in order to produce Oh Brother, Where Art Thou, not the movie that you're familiar with, a director lives with a dime to his name to get a feel for real poverty. Uh, somewhere along the way, he loses his memory, gets convicted, and scores Veronica Lake. Oh, okay. So, a couple of shitty things, one good thing. I would recommend Sullivan's Travels. Do not recommend Family Tree, and I'd don't really recommend Hardcore Henry. Fair enough. Uh, Chelsea, do you recommend the one that you <clears throat> yes, mentioned? Yes, absolutely. All right. So that will wrap us up on the 2020 Movie Marathon for this week, bringing us to the second part of our feature segment. This is The Recast Continued. What? Which one? I forgot. When huh? did it come out? The movie that we're going to be discussing is from 1994, and it's called Clean Slate. Your name is M. L. Pogue. Whenever you go to sleep... You lose your memory. Whatever you do, don't panic. What? Imagine every morning you wake up, you can't remember who you are. Your name is M. L. Pogue. Shh. Will you kiss me? Who 
your loved ones are. Are you my dog? Fido. Hey, Spock. Rusty. <laughs> or for that matter, <laughs> who the hell any of these people are. Seen all your faces here today, uh, John and Susan and Mary and, and Fred and Ethel and Little Ricky and... Now, Detective M.L. Pogue has to figure out what's up with his friends. How's Dolby doing? Oh, he's, uh, great. Really? I heard he was shot. Uh, except for that, yeah. <laughs> what's wrong with his dog? <laughs> Who he's in love with? The woman sleeping next to you, her name is Sarah Novak. I think you're in love with her. And exactly why he's a wanted man. Don't move. All right, zip up. Dana Carvey. Are you sure you got the right person here? Valeria Galino. But I didn't mean to get you into this. Can you forgive me? Sure. In the story of a detective. He made it after all. This is the path we took. We started here. Then we went here, here, down here, over here, 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 and ended up here. Who doesn't have a clue? What are you doing here? 11.30. On the dot. Ready? I'm... For what? Clean slate. What is this? Oh, oh that's where those were. Thank you. A truly unforgettable comedy. It's got an 18% on Rotten Tomatoes. Too low. And it's directed by Mick Jackson. After receiving a head injury on a case, Private Eye Maurice Pogue, played by Dana Carvey, suffers from a form of amnesia in which his short-term memory is wiped clean every time he falls asleep. Besides experiencing some obvious problems in his profession, Pogue is also the key witness in an important case against a mobster, played by Michael Gambon, accused of murder. Now, relying only on a cassette recorder to fill him in on a daily basis, Pogue has to not only testify at the trial, but also crack a big case. Uh, what was our immediate impression of this, Sean? Can we not just address the elephant in the room yes. first? Yes. And say that this movie deserves royalty checks from Memento. Indeed. Uh, so speaking of that, I'm going to read the plot summary of Memento now. Leonard, an insurance investigator, is tracking down the man who raped and murdered his wife. The difficulty, however, of locating his wife's killer is compounded by the fact that he has suffered, that he's suffering from a rare, untreatable form of memory loss. Although he can recall details of life before his accident, Leonard cannot remember what happened 15 minutes ago, where, is he, where he's going, or why. So yeah, I completely agree with you. Uh, even before watching it, just reading the synopsis, I was like, wait a minute. This sounds familiar. I can't quite remember where I've heard this story before. <laughs> but I would like to say, though, I mean, I had low, low, low expectations for this film. Having seen Dana Carvey's other feature film, Master, Master of, of Disguise. Turtle, turtle. <laughs> I like uh, turtles. So I was pleasantly surprised that this had a coherent plot. <laughs> somewhat, somewhat. It actually wasn't terrible. I was expecting, I went in with a really low bar. Yeah, yeah. I chuckled a couple of times mm -hmm. and I, I thought it was, you know, it was okay. And the cast, of course, which we'll get into, yes. is really, really good. Yeah, the female lead is smoking hot. Um, in so much so that in the film Hot Shots Part Deux, uh, Charlie Sheen fries bacon on her stomach. The cast that we will be recasting? Yeah. We'll get into that. First, we've got Maurice L. Pogue, 
played by Dana Carvey, who was 37 at the time. We've got... 39. Don't forget your timing. I changed it to 37 because... It's 39. All right, he's 39 years old. And then we've got the female lead, Sarah Novak, played slash Beth Holly, who is the love interest slash client, played by Valeria Golino, who was 31 at the time. Yes, sir. I'll jump in. When you said Sarah Novak, it triggered a memory. When he said Sarah Novak was her name, I was like, wait a minute. That's like a like a very Alfred Hitchcock-esque name. Kim Novak. And then all the music hits in this movie are Hitchcock mu- music hits. That's like, awesome. Like every time something strange happens or something important happens, they're very deliberately Hitchcock style. So music. maybe subconsciously, this was a perfect pairing for recast. Yes. Uh, then we've got the gangster who um, who Dana Carvey's character is investigating, but also testifying against. And we find out that he's also the cause of Dana Carvey's amnesia, <laughs> um, Philip Cornell. And then we've got the great James Earl Jones, who was 63 at the time, as John Dolby, a friend and confidant of Dana Carvey's character. Sound about right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's that's it. Uh, Chelsea, any any thoughts you want to throw in here about the movie? I did not like this. Didn't movie. care for it. No. Okay. Um, so first, we've got Maurice L. Pogue, played by Dana Carvey, and who did you pick for this role, Chelsea? Um, so Dana Carvey is kind of a goofy guy. Yeah. So you a need a go- you need a goofy guy in He's this role. He's a little role. goofy. He's extra goofy in this too. Uh-huh. So I went with Adam Devine. Oh, yeah. Okay. Nice. Um, One of two of the three workaholics that is not canceled. Yeah. (laughs) I remembered the name of the guy who is. His name is Anders Holm. Anders Holm. All right, Sean, who were you thinking about? I went a little bit older, and as I was watching the film, the actor's face just really registered with me the way Dana Carvey was playing this part mm-hmm. um he was in the way way back nice he was the writer of the descendants he was in bad teacher he was in club dread but he was also in that uh tv series with dakota johnson uh ben and kate his name is nat faxon i've i've cast him before oh yeah yeah yeah. yeah. i like him he shows up in um a lot of a lot of offbeat comedies maybe sometimes um adam sandler movies stuff like that yep Cool deal. All right, my pick is also a goof. He's it was a goof. Uh, he's thirty two now. He is in This Is the End, Scott Pilgrim, Superbad, Juno, and Arrested Development. His name is Michael Sarah. <laughs> Michael Sarah is going to be the private eye in Clean Slate. Next, we've got Sarah Novak slash Beth Holly. And she was played by Valeria Golino, who was 31. Chelsea? Uh, my actress was in The Perks of Being a Wallflower. Hmm. Wow. <laughs> I know, right? And you, you know her from The Vampire Diaries. I went with Nina Dobrev. Oh, yeah. Very nice. Yeah, I can definitely see that. Yeah. That resemblance there. That's awesome. Something about this, this actress, her, she's got like smoky eyes or something like smoldering eyes i really liked her sean who did you pick for her though um so yeah for the the recast of sarah novak i went with another italian actress Mm -hmm. she was born in naples 
And she was in To Rome With Love, Master of None, Titanic Blood and Steel. Hmm. <laughs> Her name is Alessandra Mastronardi. Very cool. And so she was the okay. woman that um, that Aziz gets involved with in the season where he's in Italy. Right. Yes. Very cool, dude. Well, I also went with an Italian actress who is 31 now. She was in The Alienist, The Last Ship, The Man Who Was Thursday, and... In February of 2020, she was called as a witness in the Harvey Weinstein trial to testify about a threesome with Weinstein and actress Jessica Mann. Her name is Emanuela Postaschini. Oh, wow. wow. Holy cow. The you face nailed value it. is incredible. Jeez. Thank you very much. You see what I do is I look at the face and then <laughs> I look at the other faces. <laughs> Next up, we've got the gangster, Philip Cornell, uh, played by Michael Gambon, who was 56 at the time. Chelsea, who did you pick for this one? Um, this is a shout out to my girl, Allie, uh, also known as Sean's wife, but really Sean's my, lovely wife. my uh, BFF first. Um, my actor was in Grease 2, Empire Records, and some other stuff. I went with Max Caulfield. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. That's cool. That's I, good. <laughs> I um, just wanted to mention, uh, speaking of Allie, I appreciate you and Allie coming out to support me at Trivia on Wednesday. That meant a lot, even though Sean was out of town. Oh, yeah, 100%. Nice. We had fun. All right, Sean, who is your Philip Cornell? Of course, Michael Gambon. It's really weird seeing Dumbledore mm -hmm. playing this role. <laughs> yeah, we should mention that. He was one of two people to play Dumbledore. Yes. Um, so 55, I went with a 57-year-old British actor. We just talked about him, I think, last week. He was in Stockholm. The Catcher was a spy. I've seen that. But a lot of people just like him, and I do too, in, for his role in The Kingsman. I went with Mark Strong. Very nice. All right. I thought you were going to go with a different Mark, Mark Rylance. Yeah. No, I thought it would be cool to see Mark Strong playing a nasty uh, oh, gangster. absolutely. And he kind of has a men menacing demeanor, too. All right, my actor is from, well, he's 59 now. He's British. He's in Sex, Death, and the Meaning of Life. He's hosted the Golden Globes several times. And most people would know him for the British version of The Office, the original <laughs> Office. His name is Ricky Gervais. Nice. Is it Gervais or Gervais? Gervais. Gervais. I say Gervais because I'm fancy. Finally, we've got John Dolby, the friend of our Maurice L. Pogue P.I. And he was played by James Earl Jones, who was 63 at the time, early 60s. 63 is what I had. I got 63 here. And he, um, for some reason, is most of the movie, he's in a, a neck collar. Yeah. And a wheelchair. And a wheelchair um, due to circumstances that unfold in the film. Uh, Chelsea, who were you thinking about for John Dolby? So when you think of James Earl Jones, you think of his voice immediately. Mm -hmm. yeah. So I wanted to pick somebody that had an iconic voice. So I'm not trying to whitewash my cast or anything. Mm -hmm. But I went with Patrick Stewart. Oh, yeah. I just wanted a, the voice. Oh, yeah. That's great. He would be awesome. I, I really love the um, kind of self-aware direction that Patrick Stewart has gone in his career. Yes. Very cool. 
Uh, all right. Sean? Um, I'm with an actor who's 61 years old who also has an iconic voice. He was in Bringing Out the Dead, uh, the Mission Impossible movies. He also famously said, Fuck Pride. I went with Ving Rain. Oh, yeah. That, that thing you feel, that's pride fucking with you. <laughs> All right. So that's a really good pick, dude, by the way. Uh, my actor is 54 now. He's a little bit younger, but I don't think it, it's super important for this role how old he is. Uh, he was in Casino Royale. He was in Shaft. He played Jean-Michel Basquiat in Basquiat. He's in Westworld, and his next role will be as Commissioner Jim Gordon in the superhero film The Batman, coming out in 2021, making him the first black actor to portray that character. It's Jeffrey Wright. He's Jeffrey. a really, really good actor. He is. Mm-hmm. All right, so final thoughts on Clean Slate. It's not a great movie. Don't it's not all. great. It's Don't not... Um, it could have maybe won some Razzies. Yeah, it's it's, <laughs> yeah. it's an easy pass. You don't have to see this movie. Yeah. But it's goofy and silly. And it's good for our subject this week. Oh, absolutely. All right. So that's going to bring us to our final bonus segment. We're going to do it a little bit different this week. This is going to be a would you rather. Would you rather. Uh, would you rather have amnesia, multiple personality disorder, obsessive compulsive disorder, or narcolepsy. Chelsea, you want to go first? I think that's hard. Mm-hmm. I would probably pick either amnesia or OCD. Okay. Only because, well, I think I would pick OCD. Okay. Because it doesn't super affect other people. Like, if you have narcolepsy and you're out driving, like, you yeah. could kill some people. Gotcha. Sean? Um, I like the allure of having the freedom of not knowing who I am. Mm-hmm. However, I do like naps. Damn it. That's what I was going to say. I'm going with narcolepsy. <laughs> I'm also going with narcolepsy to fully medically embrace the concept of the siesta. <laughs> All right. So that is going to wrap us up for this week. We want to thank the Chop Shop regular Chelsea for being here. Anything you want to plug? Um, trivia, right answers with wrong, wrong Travis. Travis. And, um, oh, and the clink cans. Go clink buy some. Cans. Okay. Are you trying to steal Sean's plug? No, no. Just extra. I got other plugs. Extra ones. The engineer, my co host and co producer, Sean, the brew boss. Thank you for doing what you do week in and week out. You thank got you it. for coming back home. To do this. Glad to be home. <laughs> and anything you have to plug this week? Several things. Yes. Uh, we have a food truck festival at Seminar Brewing on September 4th. I think that's right. And we have a homebrew competition for our Oktoberfest. On October 10th. So if you're a homebrewer, check us out online on Facebook. It's free to enter. Get your entry and your details and all that stuff. You need to have four 12-ounce samples to submit. Mm-hmm. And I believe they haven't really set a cutoff yet. I think the, it's right up until the day. Yeah, and uh, we've got uh, we got some competition for the locals. Uh, there's a guy in Virginia who's a big fan of us who's never even been to our brewery. He just follows us on Instagram. 
He's going to submit some stuff. And That's I've, awesome. I've seen his operation. He looks like he brews a ton. And there's some uh, some good prizes. I don't re- remember the exact amounts of those prizes, but they are quite fetching. All right. So I A new want... car! <laughs> A brand new car! Seat cover. <laughs> uh, so do you guys know what next week's episode is? Firefighter oh, movies. Uh, this was inspired by my recent viewing of Tacoma FD from Broken Lizard. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so we're going to be talking about firefighter movies, and I do have a sneak preview question and answer about firefighter films. The 1991 film Backdraft is one of the best-known firefighter films. It starred Kurt Russell as Lieutenant Stephen Bowl McCaffrey. In 2019, a sequel was released Ugh. starring Joe Anderson as Sean McCaffrey, Bull's son. What two actors reprised their roles from the first film? What was the name of the movie? Updraft? <laughs> Backdraft 2. That's, I have no idea. That sounds terrible. Wow. Which two actors from the original Backdraft reprised their roles in the 2019 oh, probably yeah. direct-to-video sequel? Jeez. Yikes. So, I, I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, there, there are big names that I would say are probably not in it. Like who? Like, wasn't De Niro in this? He was. Mm-hmm. So I would say De Niro would say no to it. Right. Um. God, who else was in the film? Uh, it's been ages since I've seen it. I don't know. So we're talking about William Baldwin and Donald Sutherland reprise their roles in oh Backdraft my. 2. I can oh. buy William Baldwin. I did, I'm surprised that, that Their Sutherland roles is. as Brian McCaffrey and Ronald Bartell. Uh, so Donald Sutherland only agreed to be in the film if his first name was one letter away from his real first name. <laughs> We want to plug the podcast itself. Please rate, review, and subscribe to us on your podcatcher apps. We're hosted natively online at cinemachopshop.podbean.com. The Twitter handle that we use to check in uh, the 2020 movie marathon and movie news and each episode is at cinemachopshop. We are on Facebook. We're cinemachopshop on there. Our email is cinemachopshop at gmail.com. And the beer that we checked in today, the Clink Kolsch, will be checked in on Untapped. That's U-N-T-A-P-P-D. And we are Cinema Chop Shop on there as well. Finally, thank you to you, the listeners, the Chop Shoppers out there. And please remember to watch Chop Retrofit. And don't forget to tip your bartender. <laughs>